I am unashamed. What about you? So I love hearing from uh, from all the fans out there. You guys are great. I mean, you sent us a lot of great questions. We had a, a great one yesterday that um, launched into our John 17 study. A biblical question, but sometimes you just hear from folks. This was from Joey uh, from Nashville. And uh, so Joey said, uh, I just wanted to thank you and all your family for what you're doing spreading the gospel. And th- this was a line I thought you'd like to he said, and this must have come from when y'all did it when I wasn't here. Uh, but he said, I've gotten more out of your podcast in a month than I got out of going to church for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I was like, that's not good. But then, it, then he said, maybe it's just me. My heart may be finally open. So I, I do appreciate him saying that because you know, it may not just be us. Then he said, P.S., tell Jace, having your dad put you out of the car as a kid three miles from your home is nothing. Try having your dad put you out of the car in another country. <laughs> Which then he said, then he used to say that ended the backseat fighting between me and my sister. So I guess we're y'all talking about uh, the. I remember that happening. I don't remember because I don't talking that, about it. It was either on Zach. It would, we yeah. hadn't talked about it since Phil I was. You used on. to do that. Do you remember doing that? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so if I went to like, if I ever went to a psychiatrist, you know, they they try to go into your childhood and see where it all went wrong. <laughs> That would be one of the <laughs> memories. Because, you know, when you're a little kid and well, Phil just pulls over on the side of the road, he said, hey, get no, out. The what? three miles is an exaggeration. It was more of a mile. When we get to the end of where you turn down Mouth of Cypress, that's well, where you'd put him out. He let us out. Uh, the one time I remember was right when you turn on to Lee Anding. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, that was three miles. We we He went about 100 yards and just pulled over. He said, y'all get out. I was like... <laughs> And do what? He said, walk. <laughs> Evidently, Dad was upset and too much hollering and talking. I don't know. Now, wow. Willie and I had the same Them game. Them two fought Look. every time yeah. to, on the way to church and back. And we were all in the same vehicle. It's very Well, annoying. here's the problem. We had a dozen people in the car. I'm, I'm embellishing. <laughs> Not but by it, much. Yeah. Not by and much. And so Willie and I had a deal that if we touch each other at any moment, that, that we can't deal with that. If you so, touch each other, yeah, yeah, like if his leg <laughs> oh. touched my leg, I'm fixed to pop him or thump yeah. him. So we, I had to have space, but it was hard to have space. So you were practicing social distancing <laughs> way before it became mainstream. I've been practicing that my whole life. And, and now that I think about it, you're like one of these authoritarians we talked about last time. Because if somebody touched somebody, they got popped. That's what, that's what would get the thing going. Was like, mm-hmm. you touch me, then I'm going to hit you, which is you so know Willie, was kind of defeating the whole purpose. Willie woke up every morning and he tried to get it as close to me as possible. <laughs> Without touching me, so he put his hand over my hand. He did. That's what caused the fight. Is this one of them pecking pecking order deals? Or? He well, just wanted to get his butt whooped every day, which he did, and yeah. that's the way that's the way it went. So when he was back there, he would he would like put his hand near me. So he wasn't he wasn't breaking he wasn't, the rules. He but knew he's... the rule: don't touch me. So he'd get right here, oh, and fight, you know, we'd hit a bump, and he'd touch me, and I pop him. And then you find well, out. If I have to say anything about that, just remember, I wasn't the kind of fellow, I don't think, that would have ever started viewing the world through my children's eyes. Uh, I, they, were, they were young, y'all were young bucks, you know, just try to raise them <coughs> up in the fear of the Lord. Yeah, well, you didn't have a lot of rules, that was for sure. No? But one of them is if you fought, then 
you usually got a whipping, or in this case, you just said, well, you, you just yeah. you, get out. You were teaching a little. It's okay to uh, raise your voice to make a point. That's in. You want to get excited. You want to raise the level of your voice. No problem. But if it comes to blows, yep. if we're going to fight over at a conversation, that's when I step in and say, no, you cross the line. But yep. it didn't work no in fighting. the short term because <laughs> we fought. Willie and I went two-year stretch probably where we fought every day. I Daily. mean fisticuffs. Yeah. Like how old were y'all at the time? You know, Middle school? Ten to twelve. Yeah. Right, right yeah. before middle school. Right, in there. right at the end of elementary. You, you know, just, I, everybody's just kind of coming in. There. Evidently, you, you tried to stay away from me when the scuffle started. I've said many times, I'm not sure where y'all were when all this was going on. Because it was me. Every every day was like a episode of well, the We pink. were around there. I probably was on the river. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you were either Duck Hall Shed or on the river. The last thing I remember was my hook any yeah. kind of adult supervision while this was going on. But every day to me, my memories was like an episode of the the Pink Panther when, you know, when he would go in, he would walk into his apartment and he had hired the guy to keep him on his toes. Yeah, the, the, Asian, the, the guy. Asian guy. Yeah, that's the way my childhood <laughs> felt. Every room I walked into, I I had my head on a swivel. When I walked outside, I was looking for the trap. <laughs> well, just uh, a little, oh, give you a little goodness. insight. I hadn't thought about that in years. Uh, the trials and tribulations of being a youngster, males, y'all were four males. Uh, by the time you get 74, you really don't think about those things too much, Al, no. you know? No, and, and that's what I'm saying. I hadn't thought about it in years. Y'all are still here. That's a good thing. Yeah. So, and you're godly men. That's a great thing. Well, so, we, we look at it all you know, with fondness, even, we even the three mile walk. I mean, it's a yeah. story, you know, it's, I mean like my room, the middle room, I remember looking around at the walls. Of course I was getting older then. You know, you and it to, looked like you were up to 13, 14. I was probably 16 or 17. Yeah. It looked like somebody had come in a gang with guns <laughs> and just sprayed the whole thing. There were holes <laughs> everywhere. And I thought, well, there's been a lot of fights. Some animal made, some man made. <laughs> some some oh, boy made. was us throwing things at each other. And I remember Willie one time, which I don't know where this came from. You know when the uh, when the band comes out and you have the baton twirlers? Yeah. Well, we had a baton, like a regulation. And I remember he threw that at <laughs> me. Like one... the woman carrying out in front. <laughs> no, it's like the, you know, the had baton twirlers. With the had rubber the things on. Rubber things on the on end. The end. Willie threw that at me one night, and I moved my head, and it stuck in the bathroom door. Ooh. It just went through, <laughs> it went through the door, and I thought because the doors weren't real thick. I thought, boy, I, I, I didn't figure that thing penetrated. I remember mean, when means the, it was a thin wall. I remember and he threw when y'all uh, built a fire out there in the yard, and they stuck a match to it, and it was burning, and there were some. <laughs> Live rounds of twenty-two yep. bullets well, yeah. in the pile because a lot of gunfire around there. Yep. Well, and the hull, the lead. If you if if you throw a twenty-two bullet in the fire, it will explode. But since it's not in a barrel, there's no loud sound to it. It's right. just a pop. But the lead stays. But the hull is it, what flies it, away. It becomes the projectile. Well, when the, when the thing we went, pow, when, it, when it popped, yeah. the hull came off. Barely missed 
Jace's eye, it yeah. would have put it out. And it hit him in the forehead right here, and, and it just went about it, hit his skull, and it traveled about about that far underneath the between the skin and, it was and just the right skull. Under the skin. Mm-hmm. So he had to have a little little surgery, surgery there. To, the doctor cut that. It was little lucky. Like, how far was I away? Thirty yards. Yeah, he's quite ways. a ways over it. You weren't like you were standing over it. You course, never Jace... want to go around twenty-two bullets. Now, if it's shotgun <laughs> shells, and and you accidentally dump them in the heater, we got charcoal heaters and them blinds. One of our buddies leaned over one time, and I saw two shotgun shells fall in that fire. I hollered out at him because at the time I didn't know what was fixing to happen, except I was thinking, boom, boom. So I said, it's going to kill us all. I said, said, shells in the firebreaker, shells in the firebreaker, jump. And everybody hit hit the deck, and it was more or less just, and I was just, yeah, they just uh, the fight, the, the hull didn't even move much. It right. just it just so the gunpowder just sizzled out, basically fizzled out because yeah. you put it in a barrel, hit the hit the hit the what do they call it? The yeah, the hull, the fire plate, the primary, primary. Well, if you know you put that inside of a barrel or something, hit it, it can't go but one way out your barrel. Right, but there it just sort of fizzes, and that's it. Of course, we all looked up and I said, "Whoo." <laughs> I said, well, I learned something there. It's okay to drop them in a fire, fire in the bucket. I said, I, I thought I was getting ready for an explosion, no explosion. So Jace was the one that always, he was out of all of our injuries and fighting and a lot of sports, basketball, people getting hurt. Jace was the only one that ever had to make multiple hospital trips. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, yours were always more severe. Your arm got broke. You, broke both bones. Yeah, I know. And it. stayed down here couple days oh yeah it was a while till dad got back i was gone and when i walked in uh miss k said jace hurt his arm and and i think she said sprained yeah i think he just sprained his arm he'll be okay i said bring it over look at me and he had it he had it laid up on a pillow yeah he he goes up there and i look at it i said it's broken probably in a couple of places take him to the doctor they said what (laughs) i said his arm is broken. They Take said, him to the doctor. They said, can we wait till Dallas goes yeah, off? Yeah. I noticed. Can we watch the rest of this show? I said, no. I said, get him up there and get, it, get him again. Let him say. Dad was looking out for you, Daisy. You, you might not. My diagnosis was on the spot, quick. It was. And it was correct. And the doctor went. Well, you've you seen enough sports injuries. You knew, right? Well, the oh, doctor yeah. went, hmm, which I thought was a bad sign. He said, I'm going to have to re-break that, Ooh. Yeah. which is not something a kid wants to hear. Yeah, you don't want to hear re-break. <laughs> He's That's not like, good. How come it took you so long to get up here? I said, my dad was out of town. <laughs> <laughs> and Granny claimed so to be a nurse. But misdiagnosis here. If there was a, quite a bit of blood or injuries like that where there's swelling and there's and there's – they, yeah. they they brought them to me, and I would look at them. Well, there wasn't any I'm swelling. not a doctor. I don't play one on TV, but I know a – I know when, well, my bones when this were... finger is like sticking, sticking straight up, <laughs> those I would say, let me see here. And I would get well, you, them, you, and, you, and whoever you... it happened to was not ready for this. But I'd look around, you know, as if his mama was looking, you know, football players That's on the right. field, you know. I would go, I'd say, let's see what here. <laughs> and and I said, now give me some tape. And look, I would take tape together. and tape them together. Dislocation, yeah. I'd say, get back out there, boy. <laughs> well, you... And we had you a few tap my bone. You said that your bone stick. That's your bone because <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. Bro- I mean, it wasn't just like broken. It was broken. You oh, remember yeah. that time, Jess? We were sitting in the living room. I think we were 
folding duck call boxes, and I picked up a shotgun shell. It wasn't oh, a hole. And so Jace was sitting over there, and, and I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I thought I'd just you know near miss him, but I just lobbed that thing across the room. <laughs> Right on, top right of the, on head. the top of the head. You got your butt whooped for that. Oh, well, Dad just gave me, Dad was sitting right by me. He just gave me the head pop. You know, yeah. Dad had the little pop across the back of the head. You idiot. What are you? I mean, and he were right. I mean, it was just like, God. I didn't mean for it to be a direct hit, but it was a, because Jason's rolling around. Now, by this time, the audience is saying, <laughs> it doesn't sound like y'all were taught a lot about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. It was just uh, raising boys. We were mischievous. In the woods down here. Yep. There was a little mischief from time to time. But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like, you're right. I mean, it wasn't like we were, we just felt like that's the way we treated each other. You know, but I, well, I never treated anybody else that way. No, I didn't either. Yeah, it it's just like my brothers were all my enemies until I got to 18, and then they all turned out to be my best friends. That's exactly right. But when we were kids... We weren't friends. We were. I mean, it was a fight. It, it was, was a fight. There or... was no. I never looked at them like, boy, I, you know, I love my brother. No. You brought up a good point. So it begs the question: When you're reaching maturity, boys is all I know. I I didn't raise any girls. I, I, I that would have been nightmarish. But uh, <laughs> and Phyllis came way late to tough. the game. So I don't I, you know. However, she got raised, but I had nothing to do with her rearing. Was it forty-five before I ever met the woman? But with sons, it does give you a little insight about the human being's sinful nature. You know, you get mm-hmm. up there about when it's time to that you're accountable. Yeah. Which on up and whatever. Whenever that late, kicks late in. Late junior high, I've always right. thought as a rule, it varies right. with the individual. But but when you get up in the sinning years, you know, you don't realize. Well, what a struggle that is, and how people can, oh, how uh, that's handled, yeah. and how they can. But it's a perfect uh, accidental segue to what we're going to talk about today. Cause... We'll talk about what we're going to talk about. Well, we were... hang on, let's take a break. So this has been, I would say, the craziest year, certainly in my lifetime. Does is twenty twenty the craziest year in your lifetime? It will it will go down in infamy. <laughs> it's, it's still, what happened in 2020, and it's still not over. That's what's crazy. So uh, one of our longtime uh, podcast uh, supporters has been Patriot Pantry here, uh, who does a great job. Patriot Supplies is the company's name, and um, you know they provide emergency food. And I was thinking, man, for a company to be on top, ahead of the curve this year between coronavirus, shells being emptied, hurricanes, every time you turn around, these guys are on top of things. And so you may want to check them out and get you some uh, a four-week supply. Basically, this is four-week supply. This thing lasts 25 years, the food inside does. So obviously, you can store it pretty good. So if you want to check these guys out and uh, stock up your pantry in case of a disaster, it's mypatriotsupply.com, Supply dot com and get you some emergency food. We were in John 17 the last time and the only thing section cuz he prayed for himself, which we talked about that, and he prayed for all the believers. But we really didn't talk about him praying for his disciples. But what I found fascinating just looking at this from big picture is he was proud of his disciples, and he mentions them in, in that way. 
He says, I pray for them like in verse 9 of 17. For those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I mean, so he's acting like he, he's proud of them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. Protect them by the power of your name. So then he says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name. None has been lost except the one doomed, which we know that was Judas. But here's what I was going to say. <clears throat> well, let me read that, that next verse. He says, I'm going to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. What I found fascinating, they're all fixed to turn away from him. Yeah. And he knows that. <laughs> and and it made me realize that just kind of what you said about us being boys, I mean we were right we did a lot of rotten things, especially to each other. But it's almost like God sees us to compare it to to a crop would be like he sees that as soon as the corn, you know, pops out of the ground and just the green just a green leaf, he's seeing later on when that thing's gonna Going to mature and see the the ear and it the, is written. He said, "I determine the end from the beginning." Mm-hmm. That's one of the texts I read the other day. I, I determined the the end from the beginning. Right. Uh, where was it? He's looking long. I, I've already forgotten where it was. I think it was uh, Isaiah forty or somewhere in that list. But it's the right point. It's why that verse says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us, and he knows our heart. And he's he's being so proud of his disciples. And the next chapter, which we'll get into, you know, Peter denies him three times, well, and which even, is horrible. What he, what he says is, remember this, fix it in your mind, Isaiah 45, about verse seven or eight there, eight. Remember this, fix it in your mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Y'all were kind of pretty good little rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I'm God and there is no other. I'm God, there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. Hmm. And he's talking about his whole apparatus to get Jesus here, Yeah. Observe his behavior. But it's a valid point. What he had to say, what he did, what he's going to do. My, and what he's saying, he says, from ancient times, what is still to come, this is 700 years before Jesus. Yeah. I say, this is God talking, my purpose will stand. Well, everybody at the, at the sound of my voice who's hearing my voice right now, what you do is, you go back in your concordance and you look up purpose because everything was purposed in Christ, everything, centered around that. In fact, he says that in Ephesians while you're there, Jace. So while you're looking that up, up, I'm going to make a point about that because a lot of people are new to Bible study. They're listening to podcasts because I talked to so many of you. When he says a concordance, you can buy a study Bible. This has what's called a concordance. So if you see a word in a text, you can look over in the margin 
or look it up in the back of the Bible and find other verses that use that word. It's a really good study tool to help you see in context what some of these words mean. So I use it every day. I do too. And uh, that's why we use these Thompson Chain Bibles. A lot of you ask about the Bibles we use. It's because they have a really good concordance in the margin. So it helps you just study the whole Bible in one big picture as opposed to just going into one verse. So that's what Dad was talking about. Did you find it? Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. Just keep on. Well, <laughs> what I was going to say is a lot We're of gonna people. We're going to keep filling here. Uh, a lot of people, they don't realize, you know, when I a lot of times that I brought people to our assembly or what people say to church, which the church, they're members of Christ. You know, Ephesians 5, you know, he went through the marriage illustration, but then he said, I'm talking about the church right. and Jesus. A lot of people have been uncomfortable, and especially, you know, Phil has brought people who, when you look at them, now they're fresh out of the world. Tattoos, earrings, just look rough. Well, it makes people. And wild, un- un- wild stories. Wild, wild eyed. Yeah. It makes people uncomfortable. But you got to remember the reason we're bringing up something like this, I, you know, I remember being young and dumb and stupid. <laughs> And we just talked about it. Yep. But here here are people that we've shared Jesus to, and they look rough around the edges. And look, let's face it, they've been up to no good. Mm-hmm. And we're not looking at what where they've been. We know what they've been doing. Some of your audience is in that situation yeah. as we speak. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not looking at that on my own. I just realized that Jesus looks at you from that perspective. And there's a difference in struggling and continuing to do to do evil. You know, these these disciples went through a big struggle in that their Lord and Savior, the one they're following, granted they didn't see the big picture, but I guarantee you we wouldn't have either if a guy comes down from heaven saying, Hey, I'm not from here. I'm from another place. I guarantee correct. you all three of us would be like, Yeah, all right, what you been smoking? <laughs> now you brought up an interesting point because I found the text I was looking for, Ephesians one. God chose us in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. It's all going to center around Jesus in accordance with the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. He's freely given us and the one he loves. This is before the world. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the end before the end gets here. I'm telling you from the beginning. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and accordance with the riches of God's grace, which he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us, the apostles, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So someone would say, when? To be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. During the days of the Roman Empire is when God chose to intervene personally by becoming flesh, Jesus, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Now, watch this. Now, that's one purposed in Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything 
in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's twice. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, think about it, before Jesus died and was buried and raised from the dead, Al, all of what we're talking about 2,000 years later was a mystery. I mean, they didn't know, not even the evil one. We were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And then he says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in with a seal. So it went from a mystery to the unveiling of the mystery with the appearance of Jesus, what he did, what he's now doing at the right hand of God. It went from Jesus' coming, as Jay says, Genesis to Malachi. Jesus is here. Uh-oh, big change coming. Satan's fixed to be driven out. The power of Satan is fixed to be thwarted by the Spirit of God given to you if you put your faith in him, what he did, his death, the burial, resurrection. So now they're here, and now I'm saying to you, the audience, now we're 2,000 years in. If you don't have it yet, you should have gotten it by now, or you better move quickly because <laughs> – this is a one-time event that's not going to happen again. Don't yeah. miss it. It's in or well, out, in or out, take it, or, take it or leave it. Hang on, Jason. Let's take a break. So one of my favorite uh, sponsors that we have that I was super excited about when they came on board uh, for Unashamed was Tommy John's underwear. Oh, and and so I told Jace yeah. about it. I was like, Jace, you know, and you were kind of like, eh, maybe, you know. But- you know, <laughs> it's because when the commercials would come on, my wife would pull what my mom used to and cover my eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe isn't there a guy on there too? <laughs> there was a guy, a guy and a, a woman and a man, right? So I didn't know. But hey, after I tried them, I get it. And look, I told Jace, I said, these are life changing. And so they have a, they basically have a no risk guarantee because they call it the best pair you'll ever wear it's free so you buy your pair you get them you don't love them they'll give you your money back but trust me you're going to love them so they got a black friday thing going on right now got a, a sale so you want to be sure and check that out you get 20 percent off their uh the whole site uh before black friday so you want to go to these guys and check it out tommyjohn.com slash phil that's tommyjohn.com slash phil 20 percent off for this limited time so you want to be sure and take advantage of that and change your life. Well, I wanted to read the second section of that, his prayer for his disciples. To, to go along with Phil saying, he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Yeah, this you're in verse 15. 15 yep. But that you protect them from the evil one. Which is, when you think about it, because we're at it, the starting it, point of the kingdom. It's how they respond to what's fixing to happen. Well, all his disciples responded favorably, eventually, except Judas. Right. Of course, he had already betrayed him. And he could have said, you know what? I blew it. I messed up. No, he went out there and killed himself. Killed himself. Yeah. And he actually so, did that before Jesus died for him. And, and let me say something before you read that next verse. That That's a good application even today. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. Sometimes in Christianity, in modern times especially, the idea is we have to retreat. It's Everything's about retreat to a place of safety where 
you know, we can't be impacted by evil, but you get the idea here from this text. That's not what he says we're supposed to do. You're going to be beat up. You're going to be confused. Yeah. You're going to be mistreated. But so you got to be in the mix. So look, yeah. look, how many, there was just one who made it out of there alive as far as physical death. I'm not being other, martyred. Of yeah. the disciples. Not being right. martyred. You say John was the only one, one that actually died of old age, I guess. But all the rest of them, we're slaughtered. Yep. But you say well, that. You fast forward 2,000 years, and I said, well, now what they started, we have to take it while we're here yep. until we either are killed or we die of old age. Who That's knows it. what it'll be, but, exactly right. but whatever it is, Al, we just push forward. But forward. I think God, I mean, this we're chasing a rabbit here, but I think God just kept John from dying a Mars death because he said, yeah. said that. Because when I read the history, now this was not in the Bible, but in the historical evidence, they had like bold. He was bold seven different times, and oh, he went through a lot. You know, Hot all, yeah. I mean, they're but he, like, but he didn't come out done. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he survived. Play on words there, but I mean, I mean, can you imagine what he looked like? I mean, but you know, scarred up. Oh, which, by the way, painful. Part of the reason why we know, I know that's true, is because. John really got the last word. You know, Revelation was was most scholars believe was pretty much the last thing that you see. That's when was Revelation there. written? Ninety, probably maybe? around ninety. And so, yeah. so everybody else was already long dead. Ninety A.D. Yeah. Friends. So everybody else was long gone, but John still had that last purpose. You know, he had to speak that message because what was happening with the Romans and all that stuff was all and that was Jesus giving him revelation personally. That's exactly right. <clears throat> well, I think how you brought up a good point. A lot of people, when the when the, when it gets tough, you know, they pray, "Just take me out of the world, take me now, Lord." Yeah. And I mean, he basically said the opposite. He said, "My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one." While they're in but, there scrapping, because he's going to get... get to the point on why here in just a second. Because he says they are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them or set them apart. Different translations have. In my, when you see a little letter by a word, it'll give you an alternate definition. Yeah, definition. <laughs> or, the Greek word. It says set apart for sacred use or made holy. Set them apart, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, this is the point I wanted to get to. I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Here's what my point is. He's saying I've sent them out of the world, but he's overlooking what's fixing to happen. Right. They're all fixing to abandon him, which, and he se- which seems. And, and he told them that. Remember at the end of 16, he said, you're about to scatter. You're going to be in your homes. You're going to leave me. Shows you, you know? the but, frailty of, of one's faith. I mean, even theirs, they would have yeah. been rhythm. By the way, guys, just so you'll know. I'm 74. You say, your, your time is drawing nigh, as they say. Yeah, he may give me 90, who knows, 80. Might give me 100, might give me one. But you say, because of the current events and what's happened and this Marxism, we're, we're on our way to a Marxist totalitarian yeah. nation. For the first time in our history, for sure. Yeah, right. Look, <clears throat> things are coming, and for the ones who follow Jesus faithfully, what we're doing right now, 
I'm going to tell you, boys, I don't know whether I might be able to see it because it's in the next, let's just go with the next four years. But y'all going to see some things. Mm-hmm. We've taken it for granted. We could get out and holler about Jesus and all that, right. get a little persecution, no big deal. Right. But it's fixing to get rude for everybody who follows Jesus. I'm just telling y'all that. Be ready. <clears throat> no, I think you're right. And, and, and it's interesting because... The mantle is fixed to be handed to us 2,000 years later. And the point here in the prayer, if you think about what Jace was talking about, you can't sanctify yourself. He's praying to God. This this is the big mistake people make. They think, oh, well, I can be holy just because I'm doing the right thing or I'm doing this or I'm I'm, going to do it myself. But that's his point. You can't be set apart and made holy unless Jesus is the one doing it. And that's why he prays for that. Listen to what Peter said in First Peter 1 when he started. Now, this is interesting because Peter wrote this, and Peter was a part of this group that's listening. He said, to God's elect, strangers in the world, so he's quoting what Jesus said, we're not yeah. of the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, and he lists all these places, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. For obedience to Christ Jesus and the sprinkling of his of his blood, I can tell you right off uh, right off the bat that I've been called worse names than a little strange. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So the point is, Jesus is in you. The Holy Spirit is the way that happens. Literally, He's in you, and you're in Him. Mary said, "The Father's in me. I'm in the Father. I'm in you." And you know, so this is how it works. So while when He left here. So I told him, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to, I'm going to roll him out for you, and then he's going to live in you, and what his work is, according to Peter in 1 Peter 1, is to sanctify you, to set you apart, to in, make in you In the holy. world. So then in we, the world. we represent, that's why 1 Corinthians 5, or 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Right. What I wanted to pick up on, though, is Jesus sees your potential even while we're we do dumb things. I mean, here here he just prays that he's going to send them out in the world. He's going to set them apart. His power is going to work in them. And Peter denies him. He does the exact opposite. The point being. That he's what he's supposed to do. And, and he also, when you throw in Matthew 26, remember when it says Jesus was being led to, to his trial? It said Peter followed at a distance. I've heard sermons on that, yeah. which is a very good spiritual application to that but what the point was god was faithful to him even when he followed at a distance even when he denied him he saw the potential of what was going to happen just don't beat yourself up to the point where you follow here's my point hang on dad let's take a break my point is you don't have to you shouldn't think of yourself unless you're a, a a hall of Hall of Faith, you're in the Hall of Faith, yeah. And you're some he, he kind of faith, faithful giant. He's saying, don't get down on yourself. That's Just right. do your job, yep. and you don't have to be a mental giant. Just go out and do the work of the kingdom. And right. hang it in. It may there. be just encouraging others. It may be preaching the gospel. It may be help, helping out your neighbor or being generous. It's got all these different gifts that the Spirit gives you, mm-hmm. and you all work together as one. And there'll be people that'll always be proclaimers, and they'll be the ones, or the teachers and the pastors. But the rank and file person should not think, look at these guys. 
Right. I mean, well, they all uh, hit the road. You know, when sometimes right when, I'm, when I'm in a conversation with someone, you know, a lot of people, I, I tell them, I was like, you need to get your, your faith out of the church building and go out here and be, like what we're talking about. Let God sanctify you and set you apart, represent Jesus. And But some stories I hear on what people are going through are so rough that I've said many times, I said, my advice would be to hang in there. At this stage of your life, just don't quit. And I, I think of like incidents like this. It's okay to struggle to be immature to make mistakes because God knows our heart. Just don't it, give up. The ones don't. who were with Jesus made plenty of them. Jess. Well, that, that's the point here. I mean, Jesus was proud of them, even though they were just fixed to go through their lowest moment of yeah. abandonment. I mean, we're and all he knew fallible, that. We're fallible yeah. men. But, but the, the point is you don't quit. Just because you get confused or you don't know what direction you're supposed to head, or it, it, which is what happened to them. If their leader dies on the earth, most, well, I guess every movement but Jesus's, that pretty much ended that long term. It's right. been my studied opinion, Al, that probably the, uh, the bigger problem in today's culture, uh, instead of like the fear of the authorities and all that, which we're fixing to, fix to come down on us, Probably the bigger problem, it seems to me, that Christianity nationwide, probably worldwide, I would think more nationwide in America. Let's just look at America. You say the bigger problem, I would say, is just boredom. Yeah. It's just, just boredom. They, they go in there, and they drive up to the church building on Sunday morning. Right. They're about half asleep. They may be dreaming about fishing or doing something else. And they're, they're looking at their watch. That was the song I told Phil. They're looking at their watch trying to say, when's this thing going to end? When can I, 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 when can I get down to that's the— like, Boredom is a killer. When can I get down to the Piccadilly? You know, I, get down, to Jesus. I told Phil now when I walked in, my son sent me a song from Trace Atkins. I don't know if it's a new song or an old song because I don't really listen to country music much. But it's a country song, and the the tagline of it was, "I'd rather be on a lake with my mind on God, fishing uh, and His creation, than in a church building thinking about fishing." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very that's, clever that, that's song. That's kind of what I'm alluding to. Which makes people who who leadership in churches it makes them angry when a song yeah, comes out like that. that. Because they're like, what are you saying? But we all know the problems. Look, when you're dealing with flawed people, with flawed organizations, even though, you know, we we should meet. I'm all for. It's not good for a man to be alone. Yeah, we, we do. We all. Meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We meet with with the brothers. But the point is, what you said. If your life is in Christ is limited to what you do at a church building. Well, boredom is what's going to happen. Uh-huh. If you want some excitement, go out there and start declaring Jesus in public. Uh, you, I'm, uh, trust me when I tell you, yeah. it's excitement. Well, and you know, it's. Well, I don't even know whether that's a good word to, uh, to describe it, but that's. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Jace, is really the, the coronavirus has really helped open my eyes more to that because I'm obviously been involved in being there on Sunday and trying to motivate and encourage people to listen to the word. And I spent most of my life doing that. But since coronavirus, if I'm gone, Lisa and I are down at our condo, we're on the beach, I plug in, I'm, we're singing songs, you know, we're watching our guys back home, and then I'm looking out at the ocean, and then, you know, we start having convers- spiritual conversations. I thought, you know, I, we encountered God because we took time to give him glory and 
sing some praises to him and have a good season conversation. Who's the old comedian? You, do, you don't have well, to be sitting Hey, I got the coronavirus. I haven't been to church in a month. Yeah. Because I just thought, well, I don't want to, you know, even, even though it's been the 14 days or whatever, I don't want to even take the chance and, right. and get out Who there. was the old comedians talking about a tough crowd? Uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield. Ooh, a, tough crowd. Tough, tough crowd. <laughs> he, Jace, have you ever run up on a tough crowd? My <laughs> <laughs> life's been a tough crowd. Yeah. I wanted to skip ahead, though. Something about Jesus and his personality, he says, and we'll cover it more in depth when we get to it. But in chapter 18 and verse 20, when, when he was being interrogated, he said, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. And I like this one statement. He said, I said nothing in secret. And I just thought about how many religious organizations, how many times there's a lot being said in secret, which is not beneficial. Trust me. I mean, it's a little back room, you know, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so here and there and yonder. But isn't that nice that Jesus... He didn't hide anything. Everything right. he said and did in the religious world, he did it in public. You didn't have to wonder what he was thinking. And he didn't pick sides or choose that. It was just out there. And I I, I just think if we adopted that yeah. in our church settings, way, it would it, be it, way better off. It just occurred to me, uh, out to it, to looking at just the memory of preaching the gospel through the years, I've never concocted a sermon whereby I was preaching to a group of my brothers and sisters and I was really wanting to get money out of them. I've never concocted a sermon whereby I wanted to elicit some money coming from them. I just never, I never been Good down job. That huh? <laughs> Good job. That's, that's the way you should. I've said that for years. I was like, I don't know. I mean, Al might have been in a meeting or two back when I was an intern, but I remember I used to rail on that. I'm like, if you get people who are in love with Jesus, you ain't got to worry about them giving. That's right. That's part of it. When you do a six-week sermon series on giving, you know what my mind's on? Fishing. (laughs) I'm not listening to this. You're you're like Trace Ashley. Let's take one last break. Where, Where I am now, Al, is in a situation to where we tell our brothers and sisters, look, we're going to remember Jesus. We're going to drink his blood and partake of his body. I'll give you a few words in a minute, and we'll be out of here. I said, but the bottom line is, I don't want you thinking we're not going to pass the plate. We're not going to pass the bucket, whatever, where you put money into it. I said, uh, we'll get the lights paid around here. We have to do that. I said, there's a box back there in the back bolted to the floor. Got a little slit in it. If you want to put anything in it, go ahead. I said, but as far as me telling you, you got to get be, so, so because you're tithing it. No. So because of your particular crowd, Dad, is that why that's bolted to the floor? You might have a couple in there that may want to just take it with them. And a lot of people like may the, misunderstand. I mean, you, you like one them. of my bodyguards who's a SWAT policeman <laughs> told me, he said, Robinson, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but. but Half your congregation, I've arrested them. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I love. That's what I was going to say. I said, so say. what do you think now? And he said, y'all are actually doing better than we were. Because all, all we do is arrest them. We don't have time right. to point them to Jesus. But y'all are on the other end. I said, we're all working together here, man. 
So uh, well, I want to intro one thought, unless you had something else you want to say. No, I was just going to get you to define that. Being, you know, uh, sanctification is a is a big church word. It's a big Bible word. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they just immediately say, what? So I was trying to, I was going to ask you, what are some clever ways to define that? Well, to you know, to make holy is, is the literal meaning of the Greek word, to make holy. And which is why I said that it's, it's not God, only God can do that. Well, right. So, so but, remember but it, we can't sanctify God. Plus has the to world will look upon that. Let's face it as a little strange. Yeah. Well, and then you have a lot of other words, justification, which you see a lot in Romans, which is Jesus died to justify our sins to be, basically those are words. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not you're gonna. viewed as sinless, sinless, but he's, Jesus is praying to God, sanctify them. Right. So he's saying, and keep them from evil, protect them. So he's like, set them apart because I'm sending them out. Right. Yep. So and you get that in your mind. You say, what do we do today? Well, God set us apart. Yep. And we got a job to do. That's right. That's and it. we do it every day That's like it. he did. And despite. We're the doing times, it right now. Despite right. the times we blow it, as far as not making the most of, of the opportunity, like Peter, I'm, I'm referring to Peter. <laughs> his three upcoming denials and falling out of distance. Right. Because it's easy, since we know the end of the story, well, Peter became a monster in a good way a for the faith. That is correct. I mean, he powerhouse. became a warrior. But in this moment, not a warrior. But Jesus was still, I, I, I just think that if people can grab a hold of that, where they don't have to, you're not going to come out of the water necessarily a warrior it may take yeah. you're gonna to have to take some jabs and some hits and you sometimes you're just going to hang in and there. this could be what would happen to you the last few verses in the book of john john 21 jesus is talking about verse uh what is it verse 18 or so uh peter he said to peter feed my <coughs> sheep i tell you the truth he's talking to peter jesus is when you were younger, Peter, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, whatever direction you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would, be glor would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You got a rough death coming on there, dude. Just yeah. think about that. Yeah. Just think about God in flesh telling one of his followers, Al, yep, you were younger, you got up and did what you wanted to do, but Peter, I got news for you. There'll come a time when they're going to tie you up and they're going to drag you off out there. And secular history says, oh, Peter died a rough death, uh, Jason. Yeah. Well, and um, you're right. And uh, so I'm preaching this Sunday. So I've been studying all week in this section we're in, actually a little later in 18, when they actually came to get him. And it was really interesting. So I, I want to kind of close this out with this verse. This is the this is the basis for my sermon Sunday in this scene. And it's, and it's not in John, but it's in Luke, Luke's version of what happens here. Let me read it to you, and so I'll, I'll tell you what my sermon Where idea is. Where are you on I'm, Luke? I'm teasing. Luke 22, um, 52. So this is the moment when they're coming to arrest him. You know, yeah. Judas is there. Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. So it's a big crew. 
Hundreds mm-hmm. of people have shown up, and they got lanterns and weapons and kind of something out of a movie. Yeah, it like reminded me like gonna, a, go you know, go get the hang monster. somebody yeah, exactly. Or something. So he said, "Am I leading a rebellion that you come at me with swords and clubs?" You know, he, he kind of it's funny because Jesus kind of listens. I was like, "Whoa, boy, they brought out the whole crew here." You know. And this is like the police coming to shut down Thanksgiving. That's exactly right, to knock your doors in, <laughs> which we talked about last time. So here's, here's my sermon thought. Of course, it'll be out of the book of John. Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. Can you imagine what they were thinking when he said that? He's, he said, I, I was teaching you guys just last week. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at all these people. Then he says, and here's my sermon, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Ooh. I mean, that's a powerful statement. And I'm so telling and my you. sermon is called The Doorway to Darkness. And so the whole idea is, is that when you reject truth, because it's about the conversation you had with Pilate, when you reject truth, darkness is just a doorway waiting for you to walk through it. Pilate's words was, what's what truth? What is truth? That's exactly what right. is truth. You should have asked who. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That was, that's why he didn't get it. That's right. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. Yeah. He's looking at him, and he's like, what is truth? If he'd asked who, it might have popped into his head. And you know, you know what was interesting, too? That's where we are now. I, I'm fixing to write a whole book on it about Exactly. So I was talking objective about objective versus In our last podcast, truth. we talked about that. What's interesting about this context what, that I'm going to dive into Sunday is that Pilate, first the Jewish leadership, and then Pilate, and then Pilate even sent Jesus to Herod, who was the you know tetrarch of Galilee. They tried to solve this uprising problem with politics. You know, because you get Pilate's the Roman guy, this is the other guy, these are the Jewish leaders, but they mm-hmm. never understood who Jesus was. All right. I mean, <laughs> but Al, I, it'd be hard to take him seriously. I mean, because they're like, what what politicians do, especially bad ones, or any kind of government, you know, if you get somebody who's causing an uproar, well, in the end, you can just take him out. Right. That ends that. Who's going to care about some old carpenter would our, from Galilee? Would our politicians 2,000 years later, would they know who Jesus is? <laughs> I have no idea. Huh? They have the same they response. They same problem, same response. That's exactly right. And you missed it. The problem they had was is that God had been, had been prepping them for this moment for thousands of years. I yeah. mean, there were prophecies, there were oh. pictures, there were this is the guy, and then he gets here and he looks at All of his but purpose was right here. It was right there. I feel like, though, when you read all the trials and all the conversations he had, they felt a little bit like, this guy's not a threat. He's crazy. <laughs> That's what they thought. And, and they, they sent, there was some sympathy. That's why I think they didn't want to kill him, because right. they're like, He's he's nuts. Except that what, he, he don't even think he's from here. Except, <laughs> except that what was interesting was until he got a crowd of people together, which I thought about our current climate. Until he got a crowd of people together, they became a mob and said, "Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him!" Yeah, and look, and they say they say he he says he's some kind of king. Yeah. They're like a king. Is that the one walking around out the round out in the woods? Camping out all the time, got these ragtag people with him. He's what? Yeah. He's some kind of king, and they're like, King? He ain't no, he ain't no king. All right, so uh, next next week when we, we come back, we'll, we'll pick up on this. And text. I wanted to say one thing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how the sermon went. The first time I read this, John 17 and 18, and all the trials, what stood out to me in a practical way is I need to make sure I'm on the right side of this. Yeah, oh. big time. I'm telling you. We all do. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next. Hey, we got Phyllis coming up uh, on our next podcast. And Tony, you get to meet her, t- her husband, Tony. So we're excited about that. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.